morning. Excellent. Now, the, the most important thing for you to do to remember this morning is to listen to John Blackburn and believe everything that he says about this church. Well done, John. Excellent. <laughs> Just so you know, the centre that uh, John is going to, um, the chap who set this up originally grew up in the church which I grew up in, and my son-in-law became a Christian at that centre a good many years ago. So it has a long, long heritage of serving God, and I'm sure you're going to be blessed there. So we just are, are inspired by your obedience, John, and it will be a blessing. Excellent. Well, let's read God's Word together. Really, really brief, um, just a couple of verses, in fact, from Hebrews chapter 4. So I read Hebrews chapter 4. I'm a bit echoey. Am I a bit echoey? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, excellent. We like it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Excellent. <laughs> right, we're going to read in Hebrews 4. So we read this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we will have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. And I was supposed to read it from here rather than from there, because that's a slightly different version. That was my mistake. Sorry. Force of habit. But there we go. So, we're, we're talking a bit about the Reformation, and um, we're also um, talking about the, the, the things that really struck people during that time. And one of those is this, is about grace. Grace alone. And, and grace is like the central element. Receiving not just forgiveness, but everything we get from God through His grace. It's also the model for driving the way that we should live as Christians. Grace is central. Now, in the Old Testament, with a couple of exceptions, the same word is used every time. In the New Testament, without exception, the same word is used every time to cover grace. So we know that it's a very specific thing that the Bible is talking about. So why is grace so important? Well, let, we, let's look at a very well-known couple of verses that we say in Ephesians 2, it's by grace, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And we talked about faith last week. And this, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do. So this is the only mechanism. God's grace is the only mechanism of our forgiveness and entry into God's kingdom. It's also the mechanism by which we are changed into Jesus' likeness. So that's how we are enabled to become and operate like God's disciples. So grace is central. A lot rests on grace, receiving God's grace, displaying God's grace. 
What then? Is this grace that's so important? So I'm just going to look at three key areas, just three areas about grace and about how our salvation and our growth as Christians depend on this. Number one, grace means undeserved forgiveness. Grace is God's undeserved forgiveness. We receive forgiveness from God through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's something that we need to think about, that we receive it through Jesus' death and resurrection, not because of us. God loved us so much that He was prepared to allow Jesus to go to His death in order to pay for the blasphemous insult which humankind chooses to call its own lifestyle. I include myself in this. Now, at this point, I just... If, if you'll let me just diversify for a second, because there's a, a phraseology that goes round at the moment that sounds very clever and is in fact very stupid. So can I just point this out? And it's this one. It says this, well, what kind of abusive father would send their son to death? Have you heard that? Okay, so here's what the Bible says in, Israel, in, in Isaiah, speaking the words of Jesus prophetically. Whom shall I send, God says. Here I am, send me, says Jesus, a self-determining individual prepared to go. So here's the question. How many fathers have sent their children to sacrifice themselves for a cause? The answer is millions and millions and millions. All the time for country and cause. It's what happens when people say, well, what kind of father will send their son? What happened is God allowed Jesus to go, but Jesus chose to go. So are those who allow their children to join the armed forces abusive parents? Of course they're not. They see a cause, and they are prepared to allow their self-determining children to go. I don't know who came up with this idea. It, uh, I've heard it said several times, and it's it apparently very smug, but it's just people not thinking this through. Did it hurt God to let Jesus go to his death? Yes, it did. Did he suffer because Jesus suffered? Yes, he did. But was he prepared to allow Jesus to make that choice? Yes, he was. That's God's grace. And that's the grace we receive from Jesus. Now, this element of forgiveness is, however, about us realizing that we don't deserve forgiveness. Our sinful nature means that we have chosen to behave in a way that deserves God's wrath. Now, it seems as though modern times, and I don't know that we're that different, it's quite difficult for us to accept that we don't deserve. We, we live, and I think it's fair to say, in a bit of a blame culture. And a blame culture is a very difficult and destructive thing to be in. You see, if you can't admit you're wrong because every mistake means a lawsuit, every misplaced word or action means that you're going to be abused and insulted on social media, and you're going to be hounded for every time that you mistakenly say or do anything, then you don't end up being, feeling prepared to accept any responsibility. A blame culture doesn't enhance accountability. 
it just increases paranoia. But the kingdom of God is not a blame culture. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I didn't need to condemn the world. We've all condemned ourselves by our behavior and our attitude. God's kingdom is not a blame culture. We are free and safe to accept our wrongdoing and to have it dealt with because God's forgiveness is available even though it's not deserved. Here's the question. What about your forgiveness? Is it available even to people who don't deserve it? I don't know about you. I have a list of people that don't deserve forgiving. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's getting longer. Um, I, I'm, I'm not brilliant on certain things. Some things I have the capacity to be remarkably gracious. On some things, um, well, I don't really. They get under my skin and they irritate me, and I rant about them for quite a long time. I want to tell you this. In, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says this, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I want you to know that I have a record of wrongs, and I play it regularly. <laughs> it just needs the right trigger. It just needs the person to do those certain things, and it involves all sorts of stuff. We can focus on driving if we want, but that's kind of Tim Blackburn's <laughs> department, so we'll leave that. Uh, we, could, we could focus on all sorts of style faux pas, but that's my wife's department, so we'll leave that as well. It could be um, the behavior of the owners of certain pets and public spaces, but we'll not go there either. But the list is quite long. I have a record of wrongs, and I can play it almost continually. And I know all the words, and I sing along, and when the song finishes, guess what? I sing it again. Love keeps no records of wrongs. I have a record of wrongs. That is not grace in action. That is not grace in action. Praise God that He doesn't treat me like my sins deserve. But Jesus issues this warning, the measure you apply is the measure that will be applied to you. That's a challenge, isn't it, when you have a record of wrongs? I'm sure I am the only person who still keeps things in vinyl um, and plays a record of wrongs. But it's important. If we can't, let's follow that process, if we can't concede that we don't deserve the forgiveness that God gives, we will struggle to forgive anyone without they provide us justification for doing so. And let's be honest. That's never going to happen in a lot of instances, is it? So growing that grace is something we really need the Holy Spirit for. So undeserved forgiveness is the starting point of grace. Praise God that God is like that. Aren't you glad that He will treat you and me that way? Because I know what I'm like. I know what I'm like. I know what I've done. Maybe you do too. I know 
what, I, what goes on in my head. I know what goes on in my heart. I try sometimes to be quite pleasant. I don't always succeed. But God does not treat me like my sins deserve because Jesus died to pay the price. And the perfection of God's kingdom is a place that the sullied and flawed individual that I am can enter because I receive forgiveness that I don't deserve. Praise God for His grace. Can I do the same? Number two, God's grace means unreserved generosity. Unreserved generosity. God is able to call us His children. How generous is that? I remember when I was a young child, I used to read stories. And, and in those stories, quite often, there would be someone who had been orphaned and left destitute. I'm thinking, you know, what's all? Oliver Twist is a good example, but there's lots of them. And somebody in their unreserved generosity gives that child not just a home, but a family, and a status in the family, and a position in the family. And you think, how generous is that? And yet, this is God to us that He will offer us a place in His family. Even though we don't deserve forgiveness and we receive that more in God's unreserved generosity, in His grace, He lets us into His family. And all the things that come with that, everything He has then becomes ours. How shocking is that? Nothing is withheld except, <coughs> obviously, for our own good. There's a lovely Hebrew song, and it goes, Dehenu, it, it means it would have been enough. It would have been enough, Jesus, if you'd just provided forgiveness. It would have been enough, God, if you had just allowed me to be in your household. What's it, David says? Just a doorkeeper would have done. It would have been enough that you just recognize me as a child, albeit a lesser child. But no, for God, we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. His generosity is unreserved. God is willing to bless with every spiritual blessing, it says in Ephesians, beyond what we could even ask or imagine. What kind of forgiveness is that? Does He give us everything we want? No. Does He give us everything we need? Always. Does He provide for us always in His generosity? Do we believe that? I don't know. Does He give us what we want or what we need in the way that we think He should? Not always, I've got to be honest. Do you know, He's a good Father, and His generosity is unreserved, but He's still a good Father. And let's face it, Boy, do we need parenting. So, here's the question then. God gives beyond. So, there's not just what we need. You know, you think about parents and they give their children their food and their shelter and their clothing. Okay, so there you are. That's your food and your shelter and your clothing. Once a year, I might occasionally say, well done. 
and uh, you know, and um, you know, a bit of a bit of a reserved hug, and and that'll do you. That's all you need. A little bit of affection, a bit of food, some clothing, some shelter, touch of schooling. That's what you need. But that's not what parenting does, is it? Parenting then goes beyond that, and frankly, beyond that altogether. Do you? I don't know. I have grandchildren. Okay. Grandchildren constitute a self-control issue because the temptation is to just be ridiculously spoily. I, I, that's, that's my taste. I don't know if you've got grandchildren. That's what I want. And my children, of course, get very, very cross with me, not because I'm spoiling their children, but because I didn't do that to them. <laughs> that's what they say. They go... You weren't like this with us, were you? I was going, yeah, yeah, I was responsible for you. <laughs> Absolutely. But, do you know, God, God has to restrain himself from giving us everything for our own good. But his heart is just unreserved generosity. Is ours is ours as unreserved? Is our forgiveness undeserved? Is our generosity unreserved? It says in the New Testament church that they had all things in common. Nobody considered anything their own. That's a challenge. That's a challenge, and some might argue, and I have to say I have sympathy, that maybe that's not altogether the best approach to everybody in life as well, and you might be right. But the idea that the element of self-control has to be applied to stop us giving rather than to get us giving is a very good principle. Do you follow what I'm saying? The element of self-control is to restrain our giving rather than to get us giving that would reflect God's grace a lot more. That I have to think carefully about why not, not why. That's the kind of giving that God gives. That's the grace we receive. How exciting is that? Do you want to be on the receiving end of God's grace because it has unrestrained, unrestricted generosity? The last thing I want to say about grace is this. Grace provides through God unlimited resources. So His grace is never spent. His generosity is never exhausted. His love never fails. The tank is never, ever empty. There's always more. God provides everything we need. But He provides it for our good and our growth. So God provides everything we need so that we can serve God. It says we were created to do good works. And God provides what we need to do that. He provides everything we need to serve others. He provides everything we need to know about ourselves and the world. He provides everything that is needed for every task that we need to undertake because nothing is beyond God 
And because his grace will never, ever, ever leave us short, we can walk the path that he has for us. Our problem is, of course, that we like a middle road, don't we? We like our bit, and we like God's bit. And what we want is that when our bit isn't working out so well, God will step in and fix it. And after he's fixed it, we'll go back to our bit again. Is that? No, okay, just me then. All right then, fair enough. And that's the thing. The trouble with that is, this is my experience, the trouble with that is that it makes life smaller. It makes life smaller. You got that stuff, have you? Oh, is that it then? Is that all you've got to show? Is that all you've managed to accumulate? God looks to take Christians on massive adventures, to meet people you would never meet, to deal with things that you could never imagine you could, to take on and overcome challenges that would blow your mind. The adventure is in following Jesus. The couch is your own way. And those who are on the couch, watch those who are on the adventure. My choice, I'd sooner be on the adventure. I don't know about you, but I like that. Jesus offers us adventure, and we're safe to do it. See, there's no vision too big, no project unachievable, no battle unwinnable, no build too large if we can grasp that God has just unlimited resources. Unlimited resources. Here's the question. Is your vision too small? Is my vision too small? Is our vision too small? Are we choosing couch over adventure? Are we watchers rather than doers? Are we tourists rather than aid workers? What are we? Is our vision too small? Do we believe that God's resources are unlimited? That His generosity is unrestrained? If so, are we making the choices on that basis? Or do we go on the safe option? And the thing about God's grace is this. The thing about God's grace is that anything then becomes possible. This is what Jesus said over and again to people who came to him with problems. He said, anything is possible with God. Anything is possible. And God's grace is limitless. So we, we receive forgiveness. We don't deserve it. God is generous without limitation. The challenge for God is to hold back from giving. And his resources are limitless because anything is possible. Do you want that? Do you want to live that way? Do you want to be forgiven? If, you, if there are things that need resolving for you today, nothing is too big for him. He will forgive and we can move on. Do you need to receive from God today? because His generosity is there all the time. Is it the other way? Do you need to let go of something in order to be generous? Do you play your record of wrongs and you can't give that forgiveness? Are you thinking too small? Are we thinking too small?
Could we be doing bigger, better, wider, grander, riskier, scarier? Maybe we should be. God's grace is sufficient for all of that, and it's a big adventure. Come, let's us go on an adventure of grace with Jesus, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you. Thank you that you chose to come, not because you were forced, but because you loved us. You chose in grace to sacrifice yourself that we who don't deserve forgiveness could be forgiven. Such is your generosity that beyond that, all that is in the kingdom of God we become heirs to. And all that is in the kingdom of God is available to us now, Lord, to do your will, to be your adventurers, to follow your path. Just fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit that we can just enter and understand the riches of your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.